The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Oh, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, bring a greeting from Rosalie Baptist Church. Uh, we love you guys, and we love that you're preaching the gospel up here on the Sunshine Coast, and we love that we're in partnership together um, in many ways, um, which is really cool. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into the, the Bible for today. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you that you speak to us and that your word is good and it is true and it is life-giving. And Lord, we pray that this morning uh, your word will give us life uh, once again, uh, that in your word we would see the beautiful truth of your son Jesus uh, and that we would be uh, formed by the power of your spirit through your word uh, to become more like him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, there's this bloke and he's called Vladimir Shmondenko and he is a power lifter from the Ukraine. In fact, he's like one of the world's best power lifters uh, in his weight class. But for fun, on his social media account, what he does is he goes to gyms dressed up as a cleaner, as a janitor. He wears a baggy overalls uh, and he just works his way around the gym with his mop Uh, pretending to clean until he finds like the biggest guy in the gym lifting the biggest weights um, and he starts cleaning over towards them Um, he gets them they put the weights down or they go off and have a break between sets and he starts cleaning like around their weights and then just says to them oh look I'll I'll move your weights so I can clean and they're like no 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 you hurt hurt yourself no 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 and he just walks over there and easily lifts whatever it is that they're pounding away at their PB he just easily lifts it up carries it out of the way and they are just gobsmacked. Sometimes he does it with one hand. He'll just one hand lifts it up and walks away. It's kind of like, they're like, what on earth? Where has this guy come from? How is this lowly janitor just lifted more than anyone else in this gym? Um, they scratch their heads in disbelief, wondering what on earth is going on. This guy must be from another planet. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, where you've been completely outclassed or been seen, met someone who is completely out of your league when it comes to something. Maybe you know someone who is ridiculously excellent at something. Maybe they're even world-class at that thing. And when you catch a glimpse of how good they actually are, you're blown away by the difference between you and them. How much better they are than you, be it sport, be it academics, and be it music, be it art. When you're in the presence of the world's best, it's not hard to spot the difference uh, between their level and the very average level that most of us seem to be at. I once heard someone suggest that every uh, four years at the Olympics that they should have one average punter compete in each event uh, alongside all the athletes just so that we can have a point of comparison uh, to the average person. Can you imagine this? Uh, what it would be like at the start of the 100 metres race. In lane one is Noah Lyle, 26 years old, current world champion, PB 9.83 seconds. In lane two is Joe Kahn, 43 years old, average punter. PB was back in high school. (laughs) PB was the year that Noah Lyle was born. (laughs) So let's just say that. My best guess is that if I didn't tear a hamstring, which is a high probability, there'd be at least 40, 50 metres difference between us in that race. 
But these moments where we're comparing ourselves with those who are out of this world, almost world-class in their field, are the moments we tangibly see the difference between uh, average and normal and the best. It can be quite daunting for us because we suddenly realise that there are people who are in completely different leagues to us. There are people who are almost otherworldly in their talents and it can make us feel a little bit inferior. Last week, uh, Pastor Jimmy unpacked the way in which John the Baptist highlighted the supreme reality of Jesus in comparison to him. Um, That it was not a source of inferiority for John, it was a source of joy. John pictured himself as the best man at a wedding, out of his skin happy that he wasn't the centre of attention, out of his skin happy that he was handing over a bride to the groom and the groom would get his bride. No jealousy, no envy, no depression over his candle being eclipsed by the bright and shining light that was Jesus. John the Baptist joyously declared that Jesus must go on increasing and that he must go on decreasing. And this week, as we round out John the Baptist's testimony of Jesus, we will see exactly that. John the Baptist decreases in the story of the Bible and Jesus begins to increase in the story of the Bible. In just about all the gospel accounts, Jesus' public ministry really gets going when he is baptised by John. It's almost like the handover of a baton. John sees the Spirit descend like a dove. He hears God proclaims that this is his Son, and so John is content to fade into the background of the story. John drops out of the limelight until his eventual arrest and execution at the hands of Herod. But Jesus begins to rise. Jesus begins to come to the fore. In many ways, the rise of Jesus begins with this testimony of John. Remember, John the Baptist was the flavour of the month. A powerful prophetic figure uh, who spoke the truth to power and called people to uh, prepare the way to God through repentance. And hundreds of people were flocking out to see him and to be baptised by him in the Jordan. Um, and so when John declares, uh, he speaks with a kind of authority. He speaks with someone who knows what's going on. And when he declares that his time is on the way out and Jesus is coming into the centre of all things, everyone would have sat up and take notice. So when John said back in chapter 1 of John's Gospel, verse 29, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or in verse 30, This is the one I meant when I said, A man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 31, The reason I came baptising was water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove, and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, I've seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. We should not be surprised that John the Baptist's fame is waning and Jesus is rising. Because this is what God wanted, 
And this is what John wanted. This was John's purpose. I mean, in Luke chapter 1, when both John and Jesus are inside the wombs of their mothers, John leaps in the womb with joy to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. This is what John had wanted since before he was born. Last week, Pastor Jimmy helped us see how liberating this truth was for John and how liberating it could be for us. The truth that we don't have to be the Messiah because Jesus is. Well, this week, as we round out John's testimony about Jesus, we're going to see why John is not the Messiah, why we are not the Messiah, and why it is vital that Jesus be the one who goes on increasing in our thoughts and in our lives, while we and everything else goes on decreasing. And it all comes down to this idea that John recognises that Jesus is in a different league to him. Like bemused weightlifters watching the janitor lift their PB with one hand, John sees Jesus as built different. Look at verse 31 of John chapter 3. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. John is very clearly saying that Jesus comes from above, that Jesus comes from heaven, and that he comes from below, from the earth. Now John is not saying that the earth is somehow evil and wrong, he is merely comparing himself to Jesus and speaking about the limitations that he possesses, limitations that Jesus does not possess. Jesus is from heaven and is above all. He has no limitations whatsoever. John is from the earth and he has plenty of limitations. John is telling his disciples that when it comes to Jesus, he's not merely in a different league. He's from out of this world. He is from another realm entirely. Remember back in chapter 1, in that glorious poem that introduces the spectacular wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're told in the first five verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Did you catch how different Jesus is? Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus was the one through whom all things were made. Jesus was life. Jesus was light. Jesus was God. When John the Baptist says, the one who comes from above is above all, he means above all. I think sometimes because uh, Jesus, as well as being truly God, is truly human, we tend to think of him being just like us. Now there's an element of truth to this, because remember chapter 1 again, the word did become flesh and make his dwelling among us. 
He did take on humanity that is just like ours. But we cannot forget for one minute that Jesus is not our equal. In becoming flesh, he did not lose any of his divinity. He is the one who came from heaven. He is the one who came from above. He is of divine origin. But sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we impress upon Jesus very earthy humanity. And so you see this in statements like where people might say, oh, Jesus was just your average bloke. Jesus is your best mate. Or even more cringy, something like Jesus is my homeboy. Sometimes in our desire to connect with the world and share the message of Jesus, we can be tempted to try and make Jesus relevant. And in doing so, we tend to overemphasize the humanity of Jesus, making him out to be just a regular guy. But Jesus does not need us to make him relevant. Jesus is relevant. He is relevant because he is the one who created us. He is the one who holds us together by the power of his word. He is the one who knows our innermost being. He is the one who's come to deal with our biggest problem. We need not downplay his divinity to make him more relevant. See, while it's true that Jesus is truly human and has experienced everything that is common to humanity, he still is holy. He still is divine. He is still the one for whom angels sing. He's still the one for whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is out of our league. Do you know on the day that you meet Jesus in heaven, be it after your death or be it at the return of Christ, the day that you meet Jesus, you'll not go, hey, bro, how you going? No, you'll bow down and worship. He is different than you. He is different than me. He is different than John. He recognises this. Don't fall into the trap of missing the reality that Jesus is wholly other than you. This is what John the Baptist is saying here. He's saying, I'm from the earth. I'm from below. I'm bound by the limitations of humanity. I'm restricted by the physical boundaries of time, space and matter. But Jesus is not. Jesus came from above and he is above all. There is none beside him. There is none above him. He is supreme in all things. He is the only one who is supremely above all things. This means he is the only one worthy to be the Messiah. The only one who should be increasing while we are decreasing. The first reason why Jesus must be the Messiah that is ever increasing in our thoughts and in our lives is because he is the only one of divine origin. The only one who came from above. The only one who is above all. Jesus is truly built different. According to Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist was the greatest to be born of a woman. He wasn't just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was the ultimate prophet. Because where all the other prophets in the Old Testament were charged with pointing to forward towards Jesus, John the Baptist was the prophet who got to point directly at Jesus. He got to see Jesus face to face and declare that this is the fulfillment of everything that God is doing. 
He was the one sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. In this greater than a prophet role, John heard the voice of God revealing to him the identity of Jesus and the preeminence of his mission. He was the one who had unique relationship with God. But from verses 32 to 35, John confesses that again, when it comes to relationship with God, when it comes to speaking the word of God, Jesus was out of his league. Verse 32. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Jesus spoke. And when Jesus spoke, he was testifying to everything that he knew of God and everything that he knew of God was everything there is to know of God. But no one believed this testimony. Verse 33, whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. So those who did hear Jesus speak and did believe it were actually believing God when they believed Jesus. When they trusted Jesus' words, they were trusting God's word. When they said, this man speaks truth, they are saying, God speaks truth. Verse 34, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. They know it to be truth because Jesus has come from God, speaking the words of God, filled with the spirit of God. Remember that God had told John that he would know who the Messiah was when he saw the Spirit descend on this Messiah and remain on this Messiah. Well, John had seen this at Jesus' baptism and knew that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. And verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands because Jesus is the Son of God he shares unique relationship with the Father. A relationship of unique love in which God the Father shares everything with his sons. Where John the Baptist was privileged to be the greatest of prophets, privileged to hear the word of the Lord, he declares that it was nothing compared to what Jesus shared with the Father. His words were nothing compared to the words of truth that Jesus spoke. His anointing was nothing compared to the Jesus' permanent anointing of the Holy Spirit. John realises that while his words served a purpose in God's big plan, Jesus' words were the very word of God. Listening to him, believing him, receiving his testimony was to know the ultimate truth. John's Mission, John's role, served a part of God's plan. Jesus was God's plan. And, he, and again here, John is not devaluing his ministry. John truly was his prophet who spoke the words of God. But he is simply saying that while he did hear from God and speak the word of God, every word that Jesus spoke was the word of God. Every single word. Jesus heard everything that the father was saying every single thing his entire life was a gift to us from the father jesus is the special object of god god's love for the entirety of his existence 
Think of it like the age-old question. If you were going to be stuck on a deserted island and could only take one thing with you, what would it be? We all have answers to that question. Well, imagine if I only gave you two options, two options of things you could take. One cup of fresh, cold water or one never-ending supply of fresh, cold water. Which would you take? Everyone's going to take the never-ending supply of fresh, cold water over just one cup. Of course we would take it. This is what John is saying. He is saying, I am merely a splash of God's plan. I'm a splash of God's word where Jesus is a never-ending supply, a never-ending fountain of God's words. Jesus' words are always God's words. Jesus is always revealing God to us. Jesus is always the special object of God's love and therefore he is the perfect revelation of God's perfect love. For John to increase and Jesus to decrease would be to starve the people of the life-giving presence of the Son of God and would contribute to the death of all. For the second reason that Jesus must be the Messiah that is ever increasing in our thoughts and in our lives is because Jesus shares unique relationship with the Father. Only Jesus gives us the word of God and the blessing of the Holy Spirit in abundance. Only Jesus is the source of truth and life. John says, I baptise with water, but one is coming who will baptise you with the Spirit without measure. The difference between John and Jesus is chalk and cheese. It is extreme. Not only is it extreme, not only is it different, it's critically different. If you just hang with John for the rest of your life, you die. If you hang with Jesus, you have all the life of God. In our world today, we do not lack for people who claim to be teachers of God's truth. Books and articles, TV evangelists and YouTube preachers, bloggers and TikTokers, and even friends and family members. And generally, they are all really compelling. I'm here to tell you this morning that not all of them speak the truth. Some of them, if not unfortunately many of them, are the fulfilment of Paul's warning to the church that there will be teachers who come and gather people around themselves who will just teach whatever their itching ears want to hear. So for us, it can be incredibly difficult to know who to listen to in a world that shouts at ideas at us from every possible angle in almost every form of media. But if we take John the Baptist seriously here, he gives us a way to discern. It's a simple question. When listening to someone, do you see more and more of the increasing Christ? Or do you see more and more of an increasing teacher? Is it Christ's glory that is proclaimed? Christ's magnificence that is revealed? Christ's word that is submitted to? Or is it the teacher's exploits that are lauded? The teacher's church that is championed? The teacher's bank balance that is increased? Does the teacher thrust you towards the life-giving, never-ending supply of living water available in Christ? 
Or do they draw you to drink from their well instead? This is why I think the Bible directs us away from TikTok, away from YouTube, away from blogs, and directs us towards the local church and to shepherds that he ordains to be pastors here. Pastors like Jimmy, who you know, whose life you can see, who's faithfully works through the Bible and points you to Christ. Someone you have relationship with, someone you can speak to and question, someone who's not above questioning. In a world where anyone can post a video to TikTok sprouting any idea they want, be one who is content to sit under a teacher you know is magnifying Christ and not themselves. A teacher who will see their supreme joy as Jesus increasing while they decrease. A teacher whose goal is seeing Christ formed in you, not gaining fame or fortune for themselves. It's important to know the difference between us here on earth and Jesus. It's important to know that it is a critical difference, that Jesus gives us life where the earth will always leave us with limitations. Let's Look for those who see Jesus ever increasing and encourage us to see Jesus ever increasing while they decrease. One of the greatest frustrations in my life is a little thing called two-factor authentication. You're laughing, so it's a frustration for you as well, I'm sure. You know the thing that websites do where you go to log in and by some miracle you have actually remembered your username and password and you enter everything correctly and you hit submit only for the site to demand another level of authentication. So they send you a text or an email with a pin code that you have to verify. Yeah, I despise that. Absolutely despise it. If I could turn it off everything, I would. I get it. I understand why it exists. But the number of times the authentic authentication either takes way too long to come through or the email goes somewhere else or the text goes to Becky's phone instead of mine or just seems to be another level of complication. The other day I had to do a two-factor authentication and it said we're sending you an email. I waited and waited and waited and like 20 minutes later the email finally come. I go back and it says this has expired. I'm like ah, I can't win. But that is our world right now. We live in a world where we demand the convenience of having everything at our fingertips, online, on our smartphones. That convenience necessitates surety around access. We need to be sure that only the right people are accessing our data. So we know what it is to be prohibited from access to something because we don't have that one small bit of information. The right username, the right password, the right access to two-factor authentication device. Without it, we're treated like a threat and we are excluded. It can be quite disconcerting to be made to feel like an identity thief simply because we don't have the right information. But when it comes to salvation, John the Baptist declares that our situation is pretty similar. Look at verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. There is 
one specific thing that you need for salvation. And without it, you are prohibited from accessing it. And John realises that that thing for the people is not him. It's Jesus Christ. Listen to his words again. Whoever believes the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life. There are only two possibilities. Either you have the Son and you have access to eternal life, or you do not have the Son and you are stuck and trapped in death. This will actually become the key theme for the rest of John's Gospel. It would be great for you as a church to work through it. And time and time again, Jesus you will see that Jesus centers salvation upon himself. Amongst other concepts in the gospel, you will see this most prominently in the famous I am statements of Jesus. Each time he says, I am, he is claiming divine force behind those words and making a claim to exclusivity when it comes to offering salvation. When Jesus says, I am the true light, He's saying everything else is darkness. There's only one source of light and I am it. We can't miss this truth. It is certainly not popular in our society, but it is true that there is only one way to salvation. There's only one source of salvation. But this is exactly what John the Baptist does. Exactly what the gospel writers and the apostles do. This is exactly what the whole New Testament does and it is what Jesus himself did. The New Testament centres salvation on Jesus. And like two-factor authentication, if you have Jesus, you have access. But if you don't, no matter who you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter what you have done, what credibility you think you hold, you will be denied access. There is only one way to access life. And it is to have the Son of God. And if you want to know why this is the case, why it has to be this way, look how John closes out verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Why? For God's wrath remains on them. Did you catch it? If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. But if you don't, you won't have access to this life because God's wrath remains on you. In other words, God's righteous anger against the sinfulness of humanity will remain on you unless you have Jesus to take it away for you. Remember one of the first things that John the Baptist says about Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This lamb in imagery is rich. It is rich with the imagery of sacrifice, sacrifice that existed in Jewish worship as the means by which God would show mercy and grace by forgiving sin and re restoring relationship with him. The way it worked is the sin of the people will be placed upon the lamb. The sin of the people will be placed upon this lamb and the lamb would suffer the judgment in their place. 
So just as the Passover lamb took the sins of the people and enabled God to deal with them through its death, so too would Jesus be the lamb of God. The lamb who would take away the sin of the world. It's not like Jesus picks up the sin of the world, carries it away and chucks it away. He takes it upon himself like a sacrificial lamb. Jesus takes our sin upon himself and deals with it in his death and resurrection. Jesus is therefore the bearer of God's wrath. I say that again because I don't think we understand how grave that is. Jesus is the bearer of God's wrath. He is the one who stands in our place of punishment and absorbs the wrath of his Father against our sin. So if you believe in the wrath bearer, you don't have to bear that wrath yourself. But if you reject the wrath bearer, then you are bound to carry the weight of God's anger against your sin all by yourself. And there is not one of us, not even the weightlifting janitor who can bear the weight of the wrath of God in ourselves. At its core, saving faith is trusting that Jesus has borne the wrath of God in your place. Trusting that on the cross, when Jesus died, he did not just suffer physically in his body, but he suffered the horror of God's wrath against human sin. Salvation, the, the crying heart of salvation, is a crying heart that longs to be free from the wrath of God. And only Jesus can carry that weight. Only Jesus can bear the wrath. This is the third reason that Jesus must be the Messiah that is ever increasing in our thoughts and our lives is because he is the only one who can bear the wrath of God in our place. And the thought of bearing it ourselves is horrific. See, John the Baptist knew he was not the Messiah. And where Jimmy told you last week that it was a liberating truth, this week I hope you see that it is an essential truth. There is only one Messiah. Anyone or anything else that we might try to put in its place is destined to fail. Be it a teacher, be it someone famous, be it our parents, our grandparents, our family, be it laws that we keep, rituals that we practice, whatever it is, if we put it in the place of Christ, if those things start increasing and Christ decreased, we are putting ourselves in peril. We are putting ourselves in a place where we might have to bear the wrath of God ourselves and none of us can do it. None of us can. These are the final words of John the Baptist in John's Gospel. And he uses it to point away from himself and towards Jesus the Christ. John would long for all, all of his disciples to go and come, become disciples of Jesus. Because being a disciple of Jesus is essential. And here's the thing you can't miss this morning. Jesus is the only one who came from above. The only one. Jesus is the only one 
who is above all. There is none beside him. There is none above him. Jesus is the only one whose every word is the word of God. Jesus is the only one who shares unique relationship of love with the Father. And Jesus is the only one who bears the wrath of God in our place on the cross. Don't miss the essential truth that Jesus Christ, only Jesus Christ, is the Messiah who can save us. My plea with you this morning, Life Centre Church, would be that you see Jesus as the Messiah and you recognise what that means, how essential it is to have him as the one who is ever increasing in your life and in your thoughts and in your heart, that Jesus is the one increasing and that everything else in this world decreases. Because only Jesus is above all. Only Jesus speaks the truth to you, the truth of God. And only Jesus bears the weight of God's wrath in your place on the cross. My plea would be that you would reach out to him and the cry of your heart would be that he would always be increasing in your life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples and communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.